0: Hi, everybody. This is Laura, and I'm here with Dr. Lee. Hi, everyone. Uh, we'd like to discuss today um, propofol-related infusion syndrome, also known as PRIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our patients may have been experiencing this, and a lot of us uh, we're not quite sure what that was. So Dr. Lee is going to explain um, a little bit about it.
1: Hello, everyone. So propofol-related infusion syndrome, or PRIS, is, gen- is a very rare but serious um, complication of prolonged or high dose propofol infusion in critically ill patients. It generally is is seen in patients who uh, um, require propofol at high doses, generally more than four milligrams per kilo per hour, over at least 48 hours. Um, That doesn't mean it can't happen to people on lower doses or shorter amount of um, infusion duration. Um, Increased risk of developing PRIS um, are patients who have Again, highest doses, prolonged duration, or they're in very, very severe shock state, requiring a lot of catecholamines and um, concurrent steroid use, as in like we give uh, stress dose steroids in certain cases in patients with refractory sh- uh, septic shock. Um, so, PRIS is uh, the mechanism is not fully understood, but it's generally. Uh, considered to be related to a mismatch in metabolism, mitochondrial decoupling of metabolism in the cells. It causes um, clinically uh, cardiovascular collapse. Generally, you see bradyarrhythmias. Um, is the usually the first sign, hypotension, worsening shock, worsening renal failure. And labs are um, most notable for a high high triglyceride level, um, uh, elevated CPK in the in the rhabdomyolysis range. Um, and of course, acute kidney injury and all the all the consequences of that.
0: So, what did this patient present with, and why did you think this might have been?
1: So this pa- yeah, a uh, good question. So this patient had um, very severe septic shock, requiring multiple vasopressors, high catecholamine demand, and hydrocortisone at stress dose levels to maintain her hemodynamics. Um, She required also propofol and fentanyl for sedation, for vent synchrony. So um, even though she did not require high doses, nor was she on it for more than 48 hours, she was in a very, very sick state and very critically ill. So we were made kind of clued into maybe she might have PRIS when we were just repeating labs frequently. And the lab um, was processing her chemistries and noted her blood to be very lipidemic. Meaning there was like a high amount of lipoid like emulsion in the blood, which could only you know we can only explain by potentially propofol um being on board because she came in pre you know um, propofol had no, normal labs no lipidemic you know to be us uh, to consider like it's a pre existing uh, existing condition so. That's what clued us in. She was still very, very clinically unstable, so I shut off the propofol just to prevent any further uh, clinical decline from prolonged propofol use or, you know, in the blood.
0: So what did the actual tube look like Mm -hmm. and what lay of results would it affect?
1: So it generally affects chemistries. So it's unable, our labs uh, clued us in when they were unable to run the uh, blood for chemistry. CBCs and blood gases were okay. Um, What they saw on, when they spin the tube is that, or even if the blood tube it sits for a little longer, you can tell that the blood generally um, layers out into a small layer of plasma, but in her case, it uh, layered out into a large proportion of white lipoid material. Um, it precipitates out and there's only a small amount of actual RBCs or blood or plasma in the tube remaining. Um, so that's what you can see, and it can artificially affect all of your chemistries, meaning everything looks very, very low, and which is abnormal what
0: complications did you run into here at northern westchester mm-hmm. because of this
1: okay. Chris? that's also a good question <laughs> um, because it was very lipidemic it uh, caused a problem with our machines in running the chemistry so it would potentially be damaging in our discussions with the laboratory supervisor and the staff there it would be damaging to the machines causing obviously an inability to run labs for the whole hospital so we did not run the, the labs, we sent it out to central processing, which obviously takes a long time. And in a critically ill patient, we did not have the right lab, you know, labs coming back fast enough for us to act upon them. So we you know, activated, escalated to supervisory you know, staff to kind of help us figure out alternative ways to run labs or to figure out what's going on with the patient.
0: And how long before this um, comes out of the uh, patient's body?
1: Um, it's dependent. Everybody is different. Um, propofol is a fat-based, uh, lipid-based uh, suspension, so it, it distributes in the body and you know differently based on patients' like body fat. Um, but most, the most uh, gold standard of treatment for propofol, real like confirmed PRIS, is uh, hemodialysis, which the patient got. Um, but also, obviously, discontinuing the propofol. And And it takes
0: about twelve hours, you said, for it to come out. Generally,
1: yes. And in her case, uh, we stopped it over twelve hours later. We repeated blood, and was able; it was uh, free of lipidemic material. We were able to run her labs.
0: Perfect. We hope you enjoyed this new podcast. More to come.